Ich bin das Gaun. Welcome to the Nonstop Fantasy Weekly Dynasty Podcast. We are here with your hosts, Dave Reed, Ryan Wilkinson and Joey Gallo. Welcome into the NSFW Dynasty Podcast, Week Three, boys. Uh, we we may miss this last week. Uh, work out of the way, so I apologize for that. But we're going to make it up to you this week. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Reed, joined by my host Joey Gallo and Ryan Wilkinson. But that's right, three three weeks on the books, boys. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Uh, feeling better about this last week than Week Two, just from an overall enjoyment and fantasy production standpoint. So. Uh, you know, missing last week, not great, but I think we have uh, a lot more to talk about this week. So, ready to get into it. Yeah, same, excited. Like Joe said, weeks two and three, definitely much more exciting from a fantasy perspective than week one. So, that's been great, and we got a lot to talk about today. That's right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the first couple of weeks, there, was, uh, there wasn't a lot of performances to get excited about, but week three definitely brought the... Uh, Brought the bang, brought the boom, whatever you want to call it. But before we really dive in uh, to the overall discussion, I want to just catch up on a couple of the uh, some major injuries or transactions that happened in the first three weeks or in that we missed uh, that we didn't get to go over because we missed last week. Uh, Nick Chubb uh, got had a brutal injury. He's out for the year. Although apparently he only tore his MCL, which if you saw the video on Twitter, it was it was brutal. I, I, this guy's ACL must be the, like the most indestructible like ligament of all time. Um, but he's definitely out for the year. But hopefully that means his dynasty value and like his career, which is more important, obviously, is not fully over yet. So definitely sending wishes to Nick Chubb, who's one of the most popular players. But with that. Uh, injury provided opportunity for Jerome Ford. Uh, this past week, he showed that he definitely can be a solid RB2. He wasn't overly efficient, but he was. He got two touchdowns. They're definitely going to be leaning on him. He is definitely the the one uh, number one in that backfield. Mike Williams uh, also uh, suffered an injury this past week. He tore his ACL. He is done for the year. Uh, Keenan Allen already was wheels up. I think he had 20 targets this past week. He might think he might be the wide receiver one in the year already. Um, but this will create opportunities for Josh Palmer and Quinton Johnson, the rookie. Um, so those players who they definitely have uh, different archetypes right now. Palmer has been around, has had this opportunity, has already shown it, but he, he definitely needs to be owned and probably started in Dynasty. But, uh, QJ, this is his chance to start showing out. So we'll see what he can do. Uh, Cam Akers, so uh, the Rams hated him so much that they literally traded him to the uh, Vikings for the lowest possible uh, draft asset that you could possibly give. It wasn't a 2024 pick, it wasn't a 2025 pick, it was a 2026 pick, and it was like a last round swap, and you cannot trade picks beyond 2026 so far in the NFL, so it literally you couldn't give a lower value for Cam Akers. Uh, so Kyron Williams obviously is going to get all the touches and has been in uh, L.A., but Madison has not looked great over the past couple weeks. We'll get into this more, but I think Cam Akers actually potentially has an opportunity to, to get back to relevance here. And Derek Carr, uh, so I think he had an AC joint injury uh, he suffered in this past week. He's probably going to miss a couple weeks, but that means it's Jameis time, boys. Uh, we, we love Jameis. He, he typically is airs it out last week. 
uh, year when he got a chance. Not as much, but and then he, Andy Dalton took over. But when he's out there, he can really, really let it fly. And that is exactly what you want if you're a Chris Olave owner and even uh, a Shashid o- owner too, because those that's where those players thrive. So. I uh, just want to catch up on some some of those major keys, but I don't know about uh, Jeff. There's anything in your mind you wanted to bring up? Uh, yeah. So thoughts. I mean, you never really want James Winston to be the quarterback of your actual football team, but for fantasy, he's always been great, and he's always sustained great fantasy wide receivers. Uh, so from a Chris Olave standpoint, and Michael Thomas, and pretty much everybody in that offense, even Alvin Kamara coming back. Um, I, I'm excited to see, I mean, you know, it's, it's tough to see Derek Carr go out. He was, was playing well, but I think Jamie's will, will keep the offense afloat and yeah. Interested to see, I know you mentioned the, the Mike Williams injury for LA. Um, I'm most excited. I think about Quentin Johnson. I think that his opportunity as the wide receiver three early season, he wasn't getting as many targets. He wasn't on the field as often. And, um, I'm excited to see if he can step up. Um, I feel like Josh Palmer hasn't exactly risen to the occasion over the last couple of years when Mike Williams has had his annual uh, missed couple games due to injury. So maybe this will be the year for Palmer, but excited to see what, what uh, Quentin Johnson can do. Um, yeah. I mean, overall it's tough, right? Like the, the thing that sticks out, or maybe things that stick out the most to me, the Denver offense. Um, it's a weird situation. Uh, as a Russ owner, I'm not quite sure how to feel. Um, the offense hasn't been terrible. Uh, I've kind of liked, at least from a fantasy standpoint, what I've seen from Russ. He ha- he hasn't looked nearly as terrible as he looked last year, just from like a quality of throw and accuracy perspective. They're scoring touchdowns. Um, you know, Marvin Mims looks like a, I mean, a, he looks like a breakout if they would have him on the field more, we could know for sure. But, uh, but you know, they play the bears this week and, um, you know, what it seems like is that Sean Payton is not a huge Russ fan and, you know, <clears throat> maybe he's ends up being the scapegoat for the fact that their defense can't stop the run. So so who knows what the future for any of that Denver offense is going to look like. Um, you know, obviously as a Russ owner, I'm hoping they get the W this week and um, things kind of like stand pat for a while, but can't say I'm confident about that. Um, and yeah. I mean, for Russ, I just want to throw out there uh, – <laughs> He he feels better because he already has six touchdowns. It took him uh, weeks eight last year to finally get the six touchdowns. So you definitely see an improvement there. Yeah, like they really – they haven't looked – the offense hasn't looked bad. I mean, <clears throat> I think uh, 16 points week one was the lowest they scored. Um, they put up points this week. Uh, what did they score this week? They scored. The, the opponent definitely put up points this <laughs> yeah, week. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Miami put up points. Uh... Twenty points. And I, I guess a, a third of that was just a punt return from, from him. So, yeah. Uh, it hasn't been I, – I, I don't think the offensive side of the ball is, is the problem. I mean, they, they got out to a lead last week against 
Washington, and then just couldn't stop and he couldn't stop Brian Robinson, couldn't stop the anyone in the offense. And we saw this week that um, you know, maybe Sam Howell isn't as good as that Denver defense made him look. So I don't uh, know. The Bills D is legit too, so yeah. T B D. T B D. Um yeah, and that I mean the one other thing I'll mention, the Packers offense, they they look like you know, maybe from a from a, a team perspective that um I mean I know that the um advanced underlying metrics for Jordan Love aren't incredible and they've gotten fortunate. They were definitely fortunate to come back and win last week after the, the car injury. But uh from a fantasy standpoint, it looks like they're 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 going to continue to they're going to be a gift that continues to give. Um, Jordan Love is passing the ball a ton. There are so many targets uh, to go around that offense, and we haven't even seen what it would look like with Christian Watson out there. Aaron Jones hasn't been out there the last two weeks. Uh, so Packers offense, um, they look strong, and they look like potentially a division winner. I think Jordan Love is the number four fantasy quarterback on the seat. Yep. So uh, those of us who – Those weapons back, should be back Thursday against the Lions, which will be very interesting to, to watch. Yeah. Those of us who uh, boldly predicted Jordan Love would be a top 10 fantasy quarterback um, are feeling pretty good. Let's Let's see if he can keep it going. Yeah, and the opposite of that, those of us that predicted Daniel Jones would be a top three quarterback are not feeling so great. Uh, the only general I'll really add is is the Giants, and I'd probably add the Commanders in there. Two offenses I was a little high on that it seems like aren't going to be that great this year. Hopefully they can turn it around, but neither one has looked good. Uh, there was a lot of hype for Daniel Jones, Darren Waller, um, you know, Barkley missed last week, but uh, it's been kind of a mess there. So we'll see if they can turn it around. To be fair to the Giants, to get this later, they've the, played two yeah. elite defenses. So I'm hoping things will turn around. Um, when they finally got a bad defense, it took out one half. Daniel Jones had a monster game in a half. So we'll see. Um, but I don't feel comfortable, I'll say it, but I'm, uh, I'm hopeful things get better. But yeah, I know it's been rough, rough sledding. Yeah, for sure. But uh, let's let's turn the vibes around first. Let's uh, so now that we've had three weeks down, uh, and obviously two weeks that we get to uh, dive a little bit more into on this pod. Uh, we finally, as I mentioned in week three, had a lot of uh, boom performances. So let's talk about some of the uh, the boom shakalaka performances that we've had so far. Um, it's a little NBA jams for you. Um, so first, I want to hit upon some of the quarterbacks. The, the two that stick out to me, at least, um, that have been performing higher than what I think most people's ADP or, or, or draft value really was uh, are the rookie C.J. Stroud, who week one didn't look that great, but the past two weeks have been awesome. And he's airing it out, and he, he does look like he belongs. And as Joe mentioned before, Jordan Love as well, who's already a QB4. Uh, so those two guys, I'm growing on, and as Joe mentioned, Love, uh, he has uh, he's been great fantasy. His completion percentage, though, which is the some of the underlying uh, stats, is at uh, I believe fifty three point four percent, which is atrocious. The only quarterback worse than him at fifty two point four percent 
I think everyone could guess is Zach Wilson, the worst quarterback in the NFL. Um, so like, that's not someone you want to just be edging out uh, very, very closely. And his touchdown percentage, uh, I think it was above 11% before this past week. I think it's down to about 7.3%, which is still very, very high um, above league average. So hard to sustain that, but he also hasn't had Christian Watson at all or Aaron Jones. So who knows? Maybe he can just be a, a very efficient thrower. But what are your guys' thoughts on those two quarterbacks? And if there's anyone else that you think we should be discussing. Yeah, I mean, like you said, both of those guys have looked great. Uh, the only other one I'll add, I mentioned him after week one, but, you know, Baker Mayfield has been very serviceable. He didn't look great last week, but the first two weeks, you know, he had two 20-point games to start the season. And he's only QB 17 on the year, but, you know, there was a lot of talk if he was even going to be a starter. So where you drafted him, I feel like you've already been returned with pretty good value. Yeah, and I'll just echo, um, obviously, love. But I've liked what I've seen from from C.J. Stroud as well, and their defense isn't great. They're going to be in a lot of negative game strip game script, and they have explosive weapons. I mean, we'll probably get into though their explosive weapons at the wide receiver position uh, pretty soon when we're talking about wide receiver booms. But uh, uh, it's there's there's certainly some upside with that whole that whole offense yeah you know we'll, we'll jump that's a good segue we'll jump to the wide receivers now i mean i don't think many people were super high on the texans wide receiver core going into the season um i know nico collins was someone that was a sleeper someone i personally liked as well um and he's showing up for sure he's showing that he could potentially be uh, an alpha but the, the player that C.J. Stroud told the organization to draft themselves in Tank Dell has also been showing up and had a massive game. And he's just he's a small, itty-bitty guy, but he gets open. And, and the way the NFL has been changing, um, the smaller, fast guys who get separation are really thriving right now. So those two are really stepping up. Mike Evans, uh, uh, who I, I know Joey drafted and like many people were concerned with, Baker, but Baker actually seems to be a much better fit for the style player Mike Evans has been with the deep throws, and Mike Evans has been crushing uh, week after week. Keenan Allen, I mentioned before, I think is wide receiver one already, and I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon. Um, not as much a surprise that he's producing, but I think to the level that he's producing has been surprising a lot of people. Um, another one is Adam Thielen, which many people have written off. He's very old. He's on a bad team with a rookie quarterback, but he's producing. And now I think Bryce Young might start this week, but Andy Dalton last week obviously was just feeding him the, the ball the whole time. Um, you got rookie Marvin Mims, who doesn't get a lot of playing time, but doesn't need a lot. He, he, he makes easily the most of his opportunities. Uh, with long touchdowns, I think he returned a touchdown last week, but also getting long receptions. And then uh, from the Rams, like no one really thought much of the Rams other than Cooper Cup, and he hasn't played yet. But Puka Naku and Tutu Atwell just keep showing up. Um, Puka Naku had like after that first week, we talked about potentially buying him. Good luck now. Like it's going to take so much to get this guy. He's on like record breaking pace and just is always open. And Tutu Atwell. Uh, also, like another player who was written off is thriving as well. He should have scored multiple touchdowns last week to, to cash the first touchdown prop bet that Joey and I took. Very upset about that. Um, but yeah, what, what are your thoughts on some of these wide receivers uh, that we t- I touched upon? Yeah, so Puka's one where um, 
obviously a little a little bit of a down week this week relative to the past couple for him. Um, curious, we're going into week four now. Um, you know, I know this is a dynasty podcast, but what do you like? What do you do with with Puka and or Tutu? Um, in in a redraft format right now, do you like? It feels like to me, uh, they could be trade four targets. Maybe Puka could be a trade four target if you if you're able to sell the owner on. Hey, he had a little bit of a down week, and he's in the Cooper the Cooper Cup slot, and Cup maybe back after just one more missed game. Uh, do you think that they're trade aways for that? Like, uh, like the offense is going to change once Cup comes back, yeah. and I just don't know. Like if, if either, like I, I'm not sure who it is between the two whose value is going to take a hit. But you, I almost feel like this is the opportunity right now before week four, where you kind of like got to take some action if you want to bet on one of those guys, either to be the one who retains value or be the one who loses value. And I'm just not sure which way I would lean. Yeah, I think that's the question, right? Puka is actually wide receiver seven on the season and Tutu is wide receiver 12, which is just crazy because, you know, before the season started, all the talk was Cooper Cup. Um, I still question, you know, how healthy Cup is. So even when he comes back, is he as effective as he's been in the past, especially when they have these guys producing now? Um, But yeah, I mean, it's a good question because if you're going to trade them and and get top value, it probably would be right now. You know, I can't imagine that uh, either one of them moves up much higher than seven and twelve on the year. What do you think, Dave? Well, I am a Puka owner in redraft, um, and actually multiple places. I in our, the Megla Bowl with the fantasy footballs, I actually drafted him, so I didn't have to <laughs> beat him on waivers. And then in the redraft with uh, Ryan that I'm in, um, I actually traded for him uh, because another owner. Uh, was stuck with roster limits, and I was able to get him uh, for just Kenny Gainwell, uh, which feels great now with seeing Swift blow up, which we'll get to. But um, I'm a believer in Puka. I think he's uh, like you don't you don't just magically get like what like 35 targets in your first two weeks as a rookie without being something special. Um, so like even when Cup comes back, I just don't see how they don't make him involved. I also think. The Rams will probably operate in a lot of three wide receiver sets because Tyler Hibby stinks, uh, and like that's their tight end one. And like they, he can still be in the field potentially with uh, three wide receivers, but I just don't, I don't see the default being um, them putting two tight ends out there, and and one of these guys has to get off the field that often. And McVeigh is a wizard; he'll rotate these guys. Cooper Cup will play outside; he'll play in slot. Naku will do the same. Tutu seems like someone will probably always be on the outside um, just because of his speed. But I I would not be selling them uh, low. Like I, I'm willing to trade anyone uh, for the right value. But the other thing, Ryan got to mention, I haven't heard a thing about Cooper Cup at all. Uh, like I haven't heard him like running routes, looking good. Like nothing. I don't think he's since the season after, started after week four. I think it's extended. So yeah, like they you would at this point. If he was one more week away, you would start hearing that they're like practicing. Look, like you haven't heard anything from Cooper Cup. So I'm like, I, I have him in one league. I'm just concerned. Like when I think he will come back. I'm not concerned about him not playing. But again, like 
they you heard their dialogue earlier like they were getting like a special consultant like for his like uh, hamstrings like they are taking it very very cautiously with him and they can do it now more seeing what these two wide receivers done so i don't think cooper cup's coming back after four weeks um and i I think the team is really believing it. I mean, even like this past week, it was a down week. He almost had a touchdown anyway. Um, and like every wide receiver one has down week. I think AJ Brown and like CD Lamb's down week were far worse than this down week. So like I'm not overly concerned with uh, Nico. I would definitely, I would still be trying to buy on any owners who think that maybe his value is going to dissipate soon, but I don't think it's going to go out. Granted, he won't have the week one and week two performances that often once Cup's back, but I still think he's going to be a very strong asset. Yeah, and I mean, I guess now that I think about it, right, like it, he's he's probably tough to buy. Like I, I'm thinking if you're making a move with him right now, like if I was an owner, which unfortunately I'm not, I would love to be. Um I'd probably be dangling him out there trying to get, you know, a, a, a locked in wide receiver one or two, you know, like maybe offer him, you know, to the Devonta Smith owner, something like that. I would much rather have Devonta Smith rest of season than Puka. And that just feels like some, something that you might be able to get done off of a, yep. a fresh week of AJ Brown getting force fed the ball. So um, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's all assuming that Cooper cup, comes back and stays on the field. If he does, you would think the offense runs through him, but yeah. And I mean, you know, as far as other wide receivers, um, the Marvin Mims situation, I, I heard there was a little uh, Russ hype piece on yeah, yeah. today. Maybe he's trying to encourage coaching to get Mims on the field a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I love him, so I'd love to see it. He said, uh, Russ said his, he has no ceiling, which one might interpret it as unlimited, which is a, uh, <laughs> a Russ Wilson quote. <laughs> yeah, and it was good to see um, uh, Jamar Chase getting back into the action. Finally. Um, I mean, at the cost of T. Higgins, it's interesting how those guys are seeming, seemingly kind of like passing back and forth productive weeks. We'll, we'll get the T yeah. Higgins for sure. Um, I know Dave was a little down on him this year, I think. Right. Yeah. 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 That was a, that was a big sell for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. And then the only other one I'd re-mention is Keenan Allen. He had 20 targets, 18 catches last week, which is just crazy. And now Michael and through a touchdown yeah, and through a touchdown and Mike Williams is <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, you would imagine they're going to force feed him the ball, but I looked it up. The record is 23 targets in a week. So 20 targets is pretty crazy. Was that, I'm going to guess, Brandon Marshall? Do you happen to remember? I just remember Brandon Marshall getting force-fed targets too, but don't we don't have to get into it if you didn't have it in. Um, but yeah, no, I think, it's, I think it's wheels up for Keenan. Uh, as long as he st- stays healthy, that's always kind of been the rub on him. Yeah, you know what, Dave? It actually was Roddy White in 2010. Oh, wow, okay. 23 targets, yeah. That's a name I haven't heard in a bit. And uh, yeah, so I mean, moving forward on to some of the running backs we had, we had some some monster weeks uh, over the past couple of weeks. So uh, we alluded to this with the the Broncos game. Um, the the Dolphins smashed uh, both Mostard and A Chan. I think is how we pronounce his name now. Uh, both had four touchdowns each, and uh, I think Mostard had like a hundred and what like seventy yards, and like A Chan had over two hundred yards. It was just like. 
video game numbers. Uh, a lot of people were starting Mostar. He, he is older. I think he's, what, like 30, 31. But A-Chan, I, I, I have him. I debated it, but I still, I was like, I had a feeling he was. this would be his breakout game, but not like, I thought it would be like 80 yards in like a score. And I'd be like, all right, now nah, I can use him, use him forward. Now I'm upset that I just missed the best game of his career. But very, very excited about him going forward. Uh, DeAndre Swift is just back from the dead. He is the Undertaker meme uh, just over and over again. Uh, did nothing week one, but the past two weeks has looked like an elite back um, behind that Eagles-Philadelphia uh, offensive line. Just like shot out of cannon every single run. It's crazy how he really – like he's properly named with Swift. And then uh, another guy who just showed out as someone who you were not expecting to is Zach Moss. Is just like getting all the work. I think he had – 30 rushes last week, and a lot of time he's like a plotter. He had a reception for a touchdown that was very impressive. He like jumped up over the defender to catch it, which I was like, that's not Zach Moss. He can't do that. But it it was very impressive. So that's a guy that honestly may have been on waivers to start the year um, and now is looking like a potential top 20 back as long as Justin uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor, excuse me, is uh, out. So, those, those are just some of the names that came to mind. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on those players or other players you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I mean, Zach Moss has been an absolute steal if you drafted him. People were drafting Deion Jackson over him, um, and Deion Jackson's gone now. So he's averaging 20 points a game over the last two weeks. He looks like the back. You know, Jonathan Taylor is another one. You know, is he coming back? I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. It doesn't seem like he you know, maybe back anytime soon. So if Zach Moss gets a full season, he looks like he's going to be a, a real steal. Uh, and then DeAndre Swift, you know, he's looked incredible. Um, he's always had those games where he's looked really good and then, you know, kind of had up and down seasons. So we'll see if it lasts. Uh, you know, they do have Gainwell there too, but right now he looks like the guy and he's another one who, you know, wasn't drafted very high. So if you have him, he's, he's another definite steal at this point. And then Miami, I mean, what can you say about Miami? That whole team has just looked unbelievable, like you said, putting up video game numbers. So They're the fastest, fastest man alive. It's crazy. I think I saw a stat where um, all three of like the fastest guys on the field this season were on Miami. It was you yeah. know, it was just insane how quick they are. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. They have some uh, additional depth pieces, too, at the running back position who haven't been out there. Once their full um, running back room, I think Jeff Wilson Jr. And who's the, who's the fourth? There's one other. Uh, uh, That's right. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see after um, eight, 8-chan. I keep wanting to say 4-chan. Maybe, maybe that'll be his official NSW yeah. nickname, Devon 4-chan. Um, <laughs> After his after his blow up this week, if um, you know that will kind of solidify his role in the offense moving forward, or uh, he'll need you know injury to Mostert, um, and which ahead. yeah Mostert does get injured, but yeah I I, I agree uh, yeah Wilson we'll see though if he comes back that's his injury is a little ominous yeah um. And then one other guy I wanted to mention was just uh, an interesting one is right now is Kenneth Walker, just because, you know, he was such a, um, he was a scary proposition in 
during draft season for both Dynasty and Redraft um, with Zach Charbonnet on board. And um, Charbonnet's involvement in the offense, his part, his um, you know snap percentage has actually been going up uh, steadily week one, week two, week three. But um, Kenneth Walker has looked good. He's scoring. Um, he gets uh, quite a bit of carries inside uh, the red zone. So, you know, maybe it's an opportunity to try and look to capitalize um, and get some value for him. But uh, as of right now, you know, it's he's looked strong and it feels like uh, one of those situations where we should have just known based on how good he was last year and how it usually takes rookies a little bit to get ramped up in the offense um, that, you know, Zach Charbonnet wasn't just going to come in and establish himself from day one as a 50-50 timeshare. So, um, and, you know, this is, if anything, if, if Charbonnet ever were to get injured or whatnot, then, you know, Kenneth Walker is, you're looking at like a top two or three running back for the duration of the season. So, yeah, it was a it was a poor dud draft pick by me. Um, not looking great right now, but uh, Charbonnet, I I do as you mentioned is getting more uh, carries, uh, more snaps, more touches inside the the five, uh, like within the five yards of the end zone. So who knows how it shapes up going forward? But I think it's undeniable that Ken Walker, based on where he was getting drafted, is going to get the job done. Um, and obviously last year, like he took some time to get ramped up, and that had all the work. Maybe same thing happens to Sharber. He just needs to get worked out. But I can't see Ken Walker going away completely. So, um, yeah, that that's a good call out. Um, and then last one for tight ends. There's usually not a lot of booms in tight end, but my God, we got one out of a rookie, which Sam Laporta. He is on like a, a, a record setting pace for a rookie tight end. Just, I think he's already like a top. I would consider him already a top five tight end probably the rest of the year, the way he's performing, the way the offense is using him. He has been a stud week in and week out. But let's see what you got, how, how enamored you both are. Yeah, I mean, I actually drafted him in our redraft league in a late round, um, hoping that you know he would do something. But yeah, like you said, he's breaking records. He, he looks great. Um, they're using him heavily in that offense. And there aren't a ton of tight ends out there. Uh, and even some of the top tight ends we've seen not do so great this year. So uh, he's looking great. Yeah. I mean, 11 targets for any tight end is impressive. And for a rookie who's only playing his third career game, um, the offense, obviously Jared Goff is able to support multiple pass catchers. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would – you know, there's a small, a select group of tight ends who I would rather have uh, over Laporta the rest of the season. It's it's probably Hawkinson, Kelsey, uh, maybe Andrews, and that's, that's probably, probably yeah. it. That's probably it. Yeah. I think I would take, I I would take Laporta next. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, – like I said, top, top five. And he looks the part outside. It's like it's not like he's just getting lucky or, or getting uh, like end zone target. Like he looks legitimate on the field and breaking away from the better. Yeah, and I, I just want – if we're while, while we're on the, uh, the subject of rookie tight ends, just like a five-second vent because I think that this is how <laughs> Dalton Kincaid I love, I love that. would otherwise look. 
if Josh Allen would stop throwing the ball to Dawson Knox. And I just like, don't fucking understand why you would draft Dalton Kincaid just to continue to throw the ball to Dawson Knox nine times a game. And not that Dawson Knox is terrible, but I, I just, I Kincaid looks great. Every time he gets the ball, he's fast, he's athletic. And I just, I feel like, yeah, you know, like at a certain point this season, something will happen where he'll have the opportunity to be unleashed. And then we'll kind of wonder why it wasn't happening right from day one. But um, yeah, that's just bitter old me who's owns Dalton Kincaid in about 16 leagues and <laughs> owns Sam Laporta in zero. Yeah, I, I I do think Kincaid will come on more and more as the year progresses. Um, but it does seem like Knox is going to be involved somewhat throughout the year. So I, I also think like, I, I'm not overly concerned about Kincaid. Uh, I think it's, it's just things because Laporta exists and he's a rookie. T- like this doesn't happen with rookie tight ends out of the gate. Like Kincaid's not doing anything wrong. Uh, and you wouldn't, and honestly, if you're realistic, realistic expectations were Kincaid wasn't going to do that much out of the gate. But when you see another rookie being like, yo, what, He's doing it. Why don't we do it over here? We see it's a proof of concept. Let's, let's make it happen. So it's things a little bit more. Yeah. And it's, and, it, and it's like, it's, he's, he's kind of the same. Like, I, I like every time they throw, <clears throat> they throw the ball to Knox, I'm like, wait, is that Kincaid? No, it's Knox again. You know, like, I just like, don't know why they have to have like two of the exact same guy out there. They look the yeah. same. Yeah. They're it's like, like the same exact guy, except Kincaid is faster and more athletic and doesn't drop the balls frequently. So, <laughs> we'll see. They'll make it. They'll make an adjustment. Yeah. While we're in the boom section, I have to say, I feel like the rookie class, in terms of like, you know, contributing right out of the gate, has has been pretty pretty boom this year. Maybe I don't pay attention as much, you know, in years past, but um, I feel like there's a lot of rookies that you can instantly throw in your lineup, even in redraft formats, which I feel like is pretty rare. Yeah, they usually take honestly. Um, a- a little, like a few more weeks to start showing up, especially for like the wide receivers and definitely the tight ends. Uh, quarterbacks almost never, but this year they, we've seen a lot of early season performances. Obviously, it's a long season. There's going to be more ups and downs. But like last year, you saw a, a lot of rookie wide receivers step up as well. There's a, rookie running backs usually do pretty well. Um, I think there's always like at least two in the top 24 almost every single year. Um, but it's it's funny that a lot of the rookie wide receivers who blew up last year so far to date their situation hasn't been great or they haven't had like those blow up games yet that we're seeing out of the current rookie so still a long season uh but yeah to right to your point like i, I this is pretty shocking to see as many rookies like even we didn't mention but zay flowers too another yeah. rookie like he's been a target machine um he didn't have as many yards the past couple weeks but like he looks unbelievable in the field like he looks like the real deal so uh, a lot of these rookies are are showing out early. Yeah. But with a good must come the bad. So we're going to move to the busted section. So yeah, there's been there's been some players that uh we got to have a real conversation about uh so start with the quarterbacks. Uh this was a uh, I think we mentioned as a sell in uh the week 1 uh episode. Uh, it has not gotten better for Justin Fields. 
I, he just doesn't look like a court, like an NFL quarterback. Uh, I'm sure he'll still be good for uh, fantasy as long as he's playing, but I don't think he's going to be the Bears quarterback after this year, potentially. Um, Burrow has been bad. His He does have a bit of excuses. He, like, his calf is – he re-injured it. He's not as mobile. But it, it's you, you are concerned because you don't know when you're going to get, like, fully healthy Burrow going forward, which does impact the overall team as well. Um, and I'll even say Trevor Lawrence has stats wise for fantasy hasn't been as great. I'm not as concerned personally for Trevor Lawrence. He's had a lot of touchdowns missed by like inches. I think lat like week two, I think he had like three or four catches where the like literally the guy caught the ball and then stepped out of bounds with one of his feet. So like that game could have been completely different and we wouldn't be having this conversation if they just kept their feet inside. Uh, even this, this past week is similar story. So I'm not as concerned. Um, the With that being said, the, the Jags as a whole haven't looked as great. Um, so I think they can prove there, but guy called out. He, he's definitely disappointed through three weeks, but I'm not as concerned as I am safer like Justin Fields, who I think is, I think everyone's concerned about him, but where are you guys at with the quarterback bus so far? Yeah, um, it's tough, the Burrow injury. Uh, it, uh, assuming it's the injury, right? It looks like it's the injury. He looks uncomfortable. We, you could almost just tell, like, from the first throw of the first week. We kind of mentioned this on the last pod. It just, like, he hasn't looked healthy all all, all season at any point in the season. It, it seemed like last week maybe a little bit. Uh, in the first couple quarters, but then he re-injured. I almost would just prefer he go on IR, to be totally honest, at this point as an owner in a couple leagues and obviously as a Jamar Chase owner in this league. I'd rather just have him miss four weeks and know that when he comes back, we're having a reasonable likelihood of, uh, you know, full strength burrow versus, you know, putting him out there and sending his weapons out there every week with like a 50, 50 shot that they put up like a major dud, you know? So I, you know, T Higgins, uh, I was playing against him in two leagues last week and he catches two touchdowns. Then he comes back this week and, uh, you know, almost gooses and, um, you know, Jamar chase hasn't didn't do really do much of anything the first two weeks. Um, this week, this past week, he catches, you know, double-digit passes. So I, I think that the whole offense is going to continue to stink until Burrow's 100%. And I think Burrow's not going to be 100% until he gives his calf enough time to recover. So, like, what are we doing here? Are we just going to kind of hang out until he aggravates it so much that he can't play? And then he's forced to miss four games on IR? Or is that going to happen voluntarily? It's probably going to be the former because – He's a gamer and he doesn't want to, you know, voluntarily miss games if he can be out there. But from a fantasy perspective, I just I don't necessarily know that I see things turning around with the Cincinnati offense anytime soon. So that's a concern. Yeah, for sure. Got, got let got to let Joe Burrow's uh, calf rest, grow up, and turn into that cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, the Jags, um, I. I'm not going to say that I think Trevor Lawrence looks bad. I think that Trevor Lawrence looks like the 
the perfectly mid-average quarterback that he is. <laughs> I was waiting for this part of the uh, podcast. I knew so, it was coming. He hasn't looked bad. He's looked <laughs> he's looked just about what he is, which is a guy that can make good throws. And I will agree, right? Like it was Zay Jones stepping out of bounds barely two different times in week two or week one. And then, you know, last, last really week. did it. Ran into yeah. A field goal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you're not able to, you know, like when you're getting your ass kicked by the Texans, that's not necessarily ideal. So I think. I will say the Texans defense is the new head coach has brought around. They got pieces there, but still not a good look. I'm not going to make an excuse for yeah. them there. You know, I think they need to. Uh, but again, right? Like. Everybody was kind of expecting that uh, all of these quarterbacks would take this big leap going from uh, last year to this year. We've kind of seen it happen quite a bit with guys like, you know, Jalen Hurts and whatnot. And, you know, I I, I just don't think there's that much leaping going on at the moment. But uh, it's a long season. A lot of of time left. It's a a long season. (laughs) And like I said, I don't think Trevor Lawrence has has looked bad. You know, he hasn't he hasn't killed you. He hasn't cracked your team, but he just hasn't uh, been like a, a, a top, you know, like a, a QB one, like you kind of hope that he mm-hmm. would be. Yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence has time to turn it around. I don't know if I would be super concerned there uh, right out of the gate. He obviously hasn't looked as good as you were hoping where you drafted him. But um, his situation, I feel like he can turn it around. Burrow, you know, like Joe said, it's just really seems like the injury. So if he can get healthy, then I think you get Joe Burrow back. The one to hammer home for me is Justin Fields. He, like he just doesn't look good. And I've seen a lot of buy low articles on him, but I'm just not buying it. Out. Yeah, out. I, does he even have a starting job in two years? You know, I don't know. So if you have him in Dynasty, He's still serviceable this year. He's scored over 10 points all three weeks, but as a real-life quarterback, at some point, they're going to have to win games, and he's just not getting it done. So I can't imagine he's the quarterback for too much longer. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, he's the second-worst quarterback, I think, right now in the NFL. Um, Yeah. Zach Wilson obviously is the, the worst. Well, uh, but he's not worth he's not worthy of this discussion. Desmond Ritter would like a word, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has would you honestly who would you rather have in your actual NFL team, Desmond Ritter or Justin Fields? Because I I don't know if I'd want Fields over Ritter I, on my actual team. I would team. definitely, definitely rather have Fields. Ritter, he Ritter's won he's, games. He's, Fields has it. Fields hasn't won he stinks, any games. Though. He's won games. They've won games in spite of him. They have a pretty good defense. They have a great rushing attack. They have what seems to be competent coaching, although who really knows? Every single week I watch him on Red Zone, and he is just missing. That means he's in the Red Zone. Think about that. guys by (laughs) – You didn't didn't see Fields in Red Zone. He makes makes at least three throws a week that make me want to absolutely puke. He's – an atrocious I'll t- quarterback. I'll tell you when you saw Fields in red zone, it was a turnover or a defensive <laughs> score. <laughs> um, I, listen, I'm not. I am not here to uh, pump up Ritter. I think he stinks as well. It's more <laughs> to rip down Fields. Yeah, it's um, a good point. Ritter hasn't looked great. Yeah, no. He. I mean, I don't think many people expected it from him, though. Um, but 
with these bad quarterbacks, a lot of their weapons have suffered as well. So other wide receivers in the, the busted section, uh, Joe mentioned T Higgins. He had the one good game week uh, two with a couple t- of touchdowns, but that was sandwiched around two games with eight targets and almost nothing to show for it. And week one, nothing in, in week two, I think he had like three points or something. Um, Calvin Ridley, as I mentioned, week one blew up since then. I think he has like, maybe 12 overall points. It's like he's, he hasn't been getting it done. Definitely getting frustrated there. Um, for the, the Bears, uh, DJ Moore, we'll get to a lot of Bears weapons in this section, uh, but DJ Moore, <laughs> he saved it with like a garbage time touchdown, but like, I, I would be not excited to have DJ Moore on my team right now. I think he'll be fine, serviceable in, in a deep league or our format where you're starting three flex on top of two wide receivers, but I, I would not want him to be a key piece. Um, Dotson, Jahan Dotson, I, like Joe and I have been talking on the side. Like we love Dotson. What are the commanders doing with Dotson there? Like he, they're just not utilizing him right. Uh, you're seeing like Curtis Samuel doing like routes down the field, and those should be Dotson routes. He's always getting open, and they're just using him the wrong way. Um, JSN. I don't know what's going on with JSN right now. They, his snaps are going down. He's at like 44% this past week. Bobo, or whatever the guy's name, had 41% of snaps and scored a touchdown. So, like, I don't know why you're not utilizing JSN more. Um, Bateman, I don't think he's much of a surprise. I was out on him going into this year, but I think he's starting to solidify his fact as someone who's just never going to be a thing in the NFL. Um but those are some of the key key busts or that I've been noticing in the wide receiver group. But I don't know if you guys have other thoughts on these players. Yeah, I'll just jump in on Dotson because he's been probably the biggest letdown. Um, That's what so I was le- going to say. Twelve points through three weeks. Yeah, let, let, yeah. Last year, over the course of the season, averaged uh, fifteen yards per reception. And going down this, the, going down the weeks had longs, long reception of 30, 20, 25, 60, 30, 30, 40, 24. Whereas this year, he is, he, I think his long reception on the year is 18 yards. He's averaging eight yards of reception. He's got 16 total targets on the season. Meanwhile, uh, Curtis Samuel and Diami Brown have 16 total targets on the season as well. So it's not only are they not using him the same way that they used him last year, not using him the way that he was used in the preseason. uh, But like you said, right, guys like Curtis Samuel and Diami Brown are out there getting targets that should be going to Dotson as well. Right. Like Curtis Samuel has been in the year for been in the league for like seven years and uh, you know, like he is fine. He's he's an average receiver, but you know, like I, I just. But he's a, he's an average receiver. Yeah, right? <laughs> like I just, I, Dotson is elite. What are you I, doing? I think that there are brighter days ahead for for Dotson, and I say that because things are going to change quite a bit with this offense as the year kind of progresses, right? Like. Things happen, right? Like injuries happen. The thing about Curtis Samuel, not saying that I'm banking on a Curtis Samuel injury. I I hope he doesn't get injured, but he's he's an injury-prone guy. I actually think Diami Brown didn't even play week three. So there's possibility there. And then Sam Howell, 
uh, had a tough week last week against Buffalo. And, you know, who's to say that we don't end up seeing Jacoby Brissett out there? And who's to say that Jacoby Brissett doesn't hyper-target Jahan Dotson? Or, I, don't, I don't know if it's a scheme thing. I don't know if it's Eric Bieniemy's offense. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I'm not I'm not cutting Dotson in any league, uh, in any redraft. Absolutely. And yeah. he might, if you can go and pick him up for pennies on the dollar, He's he, I personally would still be interested in stashing him. If somebody drops him, pick him up. But... Uh, yeah, I, I it's it's perplexing for me to to see what's happening with him. It's unfortunate, but hopefully yeah. uh, they'll get it fixed. I'm glad you mentioned Sam Howell because we haven't really talked about him, but you know I feel like he also deserved to be mentioned in the disappointment section. Um, there, there was a little expectation for Howell outside there of was, me. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> I was very excited. <laughs> Cast. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's so much a usage thing for Dotson as it, it is just an overall offense thing where Howell hasn't looked good. So like you said, maybe there's a quarterback change in the future and things turn around for him. Um, I think long term, he's still a good player to have, but definitely hasn't lived up to the hype that he had uh, coming into week one. Yeah, and then moving down to uh, some running backs. Uh, surprised to see this one on, but the past two weeks have not been great. Uh, Brees Hall, like, I, I just – the Jets are just a mess. I think that's just really what it comes down to. Um, but he, he has them again the usage you're wanting, and he hasn't had – he needs to have breakaway runs, basically. Or, and if he doesn't get those, it seems like he's going to have a bad day right now. And, and the offense as a whole and the Jets and the organization is just a disaster. So kind of want to stay away from there. Uh, obviously, we didn't talk about Garrett Wilson in the previous section, but I think that that goes without saying um, until Trevor Simeon starts playing quarterback. I don't think you're going to get much going in the in the Jets offense. Um, Najee Harris might be the least efficient runner of all time. Um, I, I saw that uh, during the last game, and at, at first I was like, is this the whole team stat or is this a Najee stat? But his name was associated in it. At the time, I think it was like 184 yards below expectation on the year. We're three weeks in. How is that even possible to have that? Well, like he's always getting tacked behind the line. And probably sort of as a similar stat line to that is Derrick Henry. Uh, and I know Joe, I think, was mentioning this is something to get out on. This might be the year Derrick Henry ends. And I'm, I'm definitely concerned. It's the first time we're seeing um, – another running back in the Tennessee, like get more snaps than Henry in games. And, and it's in a rookie. Um, and Henry has not been looking great on the field. He's getting tackled behind the line and, and he's and Joe. I'll let him get more into it before, but his style run, he needs to like pick up some speed. And if he's getting tackled behind the line, like you're not going to get much done, but, um, and one other one who wasn't as high of expectation, but Khalil Herbert just to really pound on the bears. Um, the thing is, he doesn't look bad to me, but they're just not giving him the ball. Uh, I think he, I don't know if he's had like double digit carries a game yet, um, but he was someone that started getting a little bit of hype as the season started, and it's it's just not there right now. But um, yeah, those those are some of the major callouts that have caught my eye in the bus section. But I don't know if there's uh, others that are catching your eyes or other ones you want to kind of elaborate on. I know, Joe, you probably have something to say about uh, Derrick Henry and potentially Najee. Yeah, I mean, with Henry, uh, part of it, too, is the um, they're not a very good team, Tennessee. So, 
you know, they're not really in a position to give him the same, the, the 20 or 25 carries a game that he's been getting historically. And he seems to be a little bit slower and he's not, he's only on the field for 50% of snaps. He's not really catching passes. Um, yeah, it seems like a bad situation. And um, yeah, Dave mentioned he was a sell for me early in the season and in redraft. I mean, in dynasty too, you know, like if I could get anything usable, uh, I would probably look to cut bait, you know, uh, sooner than later. But, you know, not to say that he's not going to have games this season where he produces. He certainly will. But I, I think that his days as a RB, as an RB1 are, are probably in the rear view. Uh, one other guy that I'll mention, Damian Pierce, uh, oh, has yeah. been yeah. pretty rough from uh, a yards per carry perspective. Ten, uh, Houston's offensive line kind of stinks, which was the, which was the issue for um, CJ Stroud in, in week one. And, and I actually think maybe I won't say they stink. I think they've had a number of injuries on their offensive line. So when you have cluster injuries and you have these second and third string guys playing on the O line, then it's, it's kind of tough, but they've been a little better. They've been in, I mean, CJ's just kind of been running around a lot more. Uh, Damian Pierce, I mean, two yards a carry last week, 2.2 yards a carry this week. Um, so, I mean, he he hit the waiver wire in a ten team league that I'm in. I actually ended up picking him up for thirty or yeah, I don't think he's thirty or forty fab in, in in another one of my leagues. But that's just how people are feeling about Damian Pierce right now. Um, he's going to keep getting the opportunities, um, and it's it's the opportunities are what matters, right? So he's averaging like fourteen or fifteen rushes and three targets a game. Uh, which obviously at the running back position, that's not something you should be dropping. But uh, he's he's been disappointing and seems to be more of an offensive line issue than anything else. Yeah, I think I, I saw the stat. I, I forgot the exact numbers, but the gist was uh, in might have been week two. He had I think thirty four, thirty five something yards after contact or. Uh, on the game, but he finished this, uh, the game with like 31 yards. So that means he was on almost every carry contact behind the yeah. line of scrimmage, uh, which is just insane. So yeah, it's definitely an offensive line. He's, he's a talented player. I think most people see that, but like his situation is rough and it, it doesn't look like he's going to get better for the next four weeks based on the schedule. No. And he's only out there for 50% of snaps too. a Devin Singletary is getting run because the team's losing and they need to have a pass catcher out on the field. So it's just, uh, I think, which was a concern we aired. Yeah, and, and I mean, in addition, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, like you said, I'm not sure what their upcoming schedule is. Pittsburgh this week, then Atlanta, then New Orleans. Atlanta and New Orleans are both good run defenses, and then a bye. Yeah, so you know, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not. I I I added him in the league where he was dropped, but I'm not rushing to put him in my starting lineup. That's for sure. So. Yeah, and a lot of those guys, you know, are just on bad teams, which I feel like really kills value. Um, but two other guys I'll mention, Alexander Madison and Cam Akers, who are now on the same team. You know, Madison was supposed to be the guy with Delvin Cook leaving town. He's had huge fumble issues, struggled heavily the first two games. Um, got lucky last got week. Lucky he last fumbled like week. three times that got called over <laughs> Yeah, he, he's just 
can't hold on to the ball. I don't know what happened, but uh, fantasy-wise, he's had the volume to still be serviceable, but in comes Cam Akers now to presumably kill that volume. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Cam Akers was supposed to have a resurgence on the Rams, looked amazing to finish out last year. Um, I was honestly a little high on him, but uh, after week two, uh, he was shipped off to another team. So we'll see what he does on the Vikings. Uh, but overall, right now, I would say both of their values are just way down to where they were before the season started. Yep. And, uh, and moving down to the tight ends again, not a lot of tight ends that we had super high expectations for. One that I think a lot of people had some reservations going through this year, but Kyle Pitts kind of really just hitting um, on – uh, the notes that we were worried about in this offense, but the main reason I want to call him out is, and this is just more of the insanity of what goes on in the Falcons offense, but I believe John o. Smith has like the same percentage of targets or same number of targets as Kyle Pitts. John o. Smith, like John o. Smith, why is he so involved in taking targets away from Drake London? I think he has like 17 targets and, and Pitts has 17 targets or something very close to that. It's absolutely insane. I did pick him up because that if they're going to use him like that, why not grab him in tight end premium? But it it's it, the the all Falcons offense is going to throw fits for a lot of fantasy players for a long time until Arthur Smith is no longer the coach there. Um, but another one that has disappointed a bit. I'm not as concerned yet, but uh, Darren Waller, you was drafted as a top five tight end. We just mentioned earlier. I, I think people would rather have Sam Laporta over Dan Waller, which seems like a crazy statement three weeks ago. But uh, this is the world we are now living in. And I know, Ryan, this was someone that you you were calling as well. So I wanted to hear some of your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, he's tight end nine on the season. So I wouldn't say it's super horrible. But like you said, he was drafted as the tight end usually like four, sometimes even three off the board. So definitely been a disappointment so far. Um you know, Giants have played some tough defenses, so if that offense overall can turn it around a bit, then his value might go up. But where you drafted him, it hasn't been great. Yeah, and then uh, before we move into uh, uh, our final section with a, a league update, do any other surprises or notes from uh, the, the past couple weeks that you guys wanted to call out? I don't know, Joe, if there's anything in your mind. Yeah, I mean, one team that we didn't talk about at all really are the Cardinals um, and they've actually looked pretty good um, frisky I think is the right word right there they're, they're a frisky team they're uh, first of all James Conner looks great and yes he's uh, got a ton of bursts for somebody who's been in the league for a while and who I thought maybe his best years are behind him and they're clearly trying to win games. You know, they were very, very, they played a, a, a strong first half against the Giants, almost beat the Giants. They kicked Alice's ass last week. They were yeah. celebrating. Jonathan Gannon is like the most cringeworthy guy, but they're, the team's playing hard for him. And it's good to see as somebody who is has kind of been hoping for Kyler to get back out there. Uh, now, that being said, I don't know when Kyler will actually get back out there. It seems like they're planning on taking it slow with him and it might not be a situation where he comes off the pup and then is immediately right out there. In fact, some of the things that we're hearing seem to indicate that he might actually take, get, get a couple weeks to ramp up before he gets back out there. But 
for guys like Connor and Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz and who you thought maybe would be, um, you know, useless from a fantasy perspective this year. Um, you know, Joshua Dobbs has been a functional quarterback and they're, they're, they're playing hard and they're definitely not in tank mode. So I think that they're, that they're an interesting team and some of their guys will continue to be interesting for fantasy, at least in the near term. Do you think the Jets traded for Dobbs? Do you think they wish they did that? I, you know, I don't know what the Jets want. Like, I, th- I think I, so. I, I think so. that part of the Jets' hesitation to add another quarterback right now is that they still feel committed to Rodgers. And if they go out and trade for Kirk Cousins or if they like they have to they have to bring in some low level, like non challenging schmuck like Trevor Simeon. Like Trevor Simeon is like the perfect example of a guy who's yeah, like Simeon is not a great, nearly great as terrible as Zach Wilson, but he's like somebody who they can just like happily kick to the curb next year when Rodgers is ready to come back. Right. Like if they trade for Cousins. Yeah. And then they make a playoff run. Now they got a problem on their hands. Maybe the same thing with Josh Dobbs. To be totally honest, if, if Josh Dobbs was the Jets, coach. no, you can. Dobbs is constantly kicking yeah. around the team. Yeah, team. But you if, can if easily. Plays, I mean, he's playing significantly better quarterback right now than than Zach yeah. Wilson. So I think that's probably you know like they really have to strike the balance between. I know they want to compete this year, but they also want. Uh, they also gave Aaron Rodgers money. They want him to be their quarterback next year once he's healthy. So I, I don't know. It's a it's a tough spot. If you ask me, I, I'm not really sure what I would do. But it's it's not going well. I I don't envy Robert Sala right now. Yeah. What about you, Ray? Yeah, one guy we haven't mentioned who I thought has at least exceeded expectations is Jacoby Myers. He's looked pretty good. He missed a game. Um, but when he has been out there, you know, he had two touchdowns in week one, I think, and, uh, he's had 12 targets, I think last week. So he's looked really good when he's been out there. Um, you know, Jimmy G has been feeding him the ball. Obviously Adams is the top guy there, but as the number two, he's looked pretty serviceable and definitely someone you could use on your team. Yeah, no, I, I love that call of Myers. He's a, he, he's definitely a key piece of that offense there. Um, I think, honestly, he could be a serviceable wide receiver too most weeks. So I, I think that is someone who provides a lot of value based on where he was typically drafted, whether it be dynasty or redraft. A um, couple other items for me that just want to call out. I know I mentioned Kyron. He's getting all the work. Um, I don't. I personally don't think he's been super efficient on it. And this past week, he definitely wasn't, but he's been getting the touchdowns. But something to just keep an eye on, I personally view him as a sell just because I think his value is – I don't think his value can get higher is a better way to say it. I don't think he's going to bottom out, but I, I think his value is like super high right now. Jalen Hurts, I don't really know if this is actionable, but something to keep an eye on. He just hasn't looked like Jalen Hurts in games. This The box scores and the fantasy stats have been fine, but when you watch him playing – especially like throwing the ball, like most of the time doesn't look like he did last year. So I don't, I don't know if it's like the offensive scheme and he's not comfortable in it yet, but something just seems off. The, there. the main thing for him is that uh, Swift and whoever else has the ball love going down on the one yard line. And then, you know, Hertz just sneaks it in from one out every, every time I've, I've watched him have like four touchdowns like that already. 
that's the part of the the contract when they sign there is like you have to go down the yeah. one so we can do now. I think they renamed it to the the bro, the brotherly shove, not the push to, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, tush, tush push anymore. But yeah, I mean those touchdowns are why uh, the fantasy owners are not feeling the pain yet on on Hertz. But like when you watch the game, like those touchdowns are keeping him afloat, and it yeah you expect it, that's part of the game, but it just it doesn't feel like an elite quarterback through three weeks based on his play. Um, Jordan Love, we kind of talked about. I'm very, I think he's at a pivotal point. I think this upcoming game will, uh, with his all's weapons, will uh, kind of let you know maybe what direction he's going to go in. Um, and then a couple uh, less owned uh, guys who I, they happen to be on my team, so this is not a pump up for my team, I promise. But um, Zeke, he got 16 carries last week, and, and Ramondre, got only 20 and the, the snap percentages are shifting a little bit there. Something to keep an eye on, but I do think uh, this might become more of a timeshare than originally uh, believed. Um, I, I still am a Ramondre guy too, so I want to just say that I have Ramondre in a lot of other leagues. Uh, but I am a little concerned because he hasn't looked that great yet, and be, I think that's been opening the door for Zeke. So something to monitor there maybe. I think Zeke is a very cheap guy you can throw on your bench in either dynasty. You could easily trade. You could probably trade like a third round pick for him, and like it could be someone that you in when bye weeks come, you can probably be okay. And Gallup finally this past week looked like potentially the fully healthy uh, Gallup that we've been wanting for uh, for the Cowboys. So it was only one week, but something to keep an eye on. He, he was great two years ago. It took a long time to recover, but he did get the bag. Dallas believed in him. Um, so something just also keep an eye on with Michael Gallup. But yeah, moving on from that, I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on some of those players. I know I was going to, I, the only reason I wouldn't sell Kyron Williams right now is because there's nobody else on that team who's getting running back snaps. I mean, like he really is the whole yep. show and their schedule is not particularly challenging. Um, next couple games, uh, Colts, Eagles, Cardinals, Steelers, Cowboys, Packers. I mean, there's obviously Dallas isn't great, but um, those are beatable defenses. And then after the bye, Seattle, Arizona again. You know, like I think that there's I, I, as long as he's out there getting 100 percent of the running back snaps and he's getting, you know, five to ten targets a game, then I think he'll he'll find his way to probably a top 15 fantasy season at worst. Yeah. And again, like that's, that's why I, I made sure my phrasing was a uh, careful that I don't think he's going to be uh, a bad running back going forward. I, I just think right now, a lot of people are viewing him potentially as a top 10. And that's where like, if you can cash in and get someone who's like, much more solidified, I would do that. And I don't know if you're going to have that opportunity later in the season. Yeah, specifically um, in Dynasty, yeah. too. Like, I could, be, yes. I could be persuaded I have him on a Dynasty team. I could be persuaded to sell him in Dynasty a lot quicker or easier than I could be persuaded to sell him in Redraft. Exactly. Especially Dynasty, because you don't know what's going to happen next year at all. So uh, that's why, like, I would, I would just, like, see what you could potentially get for him. Um, but yeah, with that, going to give a quick update uh, on our personal league, as I mentioned in previous podcasts. This is uh, a, a originated from our own Dynasty League that we're all members on, uh, the Nonstop Fantasy Weekly Dynasty 
uh, league that we host on Sleeper. So I want to give an update because in our league, the first three weeks and the last three weeks, uh, you play your division mates. We have three divisions in the 12-team league, and the winner of each division gets an automatic top three seed in our playoffs. So winning your division is crucial to your success in this league. So now that we're through three weeks, you're kind of starting to see where some of the divisions are falling right now. And and you, you, not only did you get a win, but you made sure a division mate got a loss. So going through the first division, which we have uh, named the team mandated male masseuses because Deshaun Watson is in this uh, division here. Uh, And the top spot, we got Crope uh, at two and one. I'm in second at two and one. And then we got, Harry DaCosta at one and two, and Scott Rapazzotti at one and two, who did beat me this past week to get his first win. Um, Croke definitely looking like one of the top teams there, so uh, a little concerned about him and taking the title in our division. In division two, we got Schluter in the top spot at two and one, Adam Cohen at two and one, um, Joey Bottles getting his first win at one and two against our co-host Ryan Wilkinson and his bro Sean who are also is at one and two. So there's a little point differential there uh, separating them, I think about uh, 18 or so points. But uh, definitely a tight group. Uh, Adam and Schluter are definitely duking out, but I I wouldn't rule out Joey yet going there. And, and honestly, Ryan showed some uh, some definitely punching power there. He, he's got a lot of volatility in his, uh, his team, but he can definitely uh, uh, play with the best of them. So... That'll be an interesting division to kind of see how that works out. And then Division Three, uh, you got uh, Dan Rosinski, not really mad. It's Dan Rosinski's team uh, at 3 0, the only undefeated team. Uh, you got John Clark and uh, Saucier, uh, his uh, brother in law. I think that's how you say that, his last name. Uh, Kaffer and Mike Williams. Uh, so, sorry, uh, John Clark's at 2 1. Kaffer and Mike Williams at 1 and 2. And then Canelo's at 0 and 3, which is a bit of a disappointment that we have so far. Uh, but I think most of us thought Dan's team was uh, probably the strongest one for the current season. So I don't think, don't think anyone's shocked to see that 3 0 finish there. Um, and also, one thing I just want to give a quick update before we. we get our, our panel here to get some updates on what they how they think the, the league uh, is developing so far. Uh, Rye Dogs here still has the lowest score on the year. It's 63.14. So he's holding on to that. He'll be funding the toilet bowl. And Crope came back after losing it actually to the Wilkinson brothers in week two, the high score. Crope came back and retook it with a score of 177.22. So Crope is currently our leader for the high score of the year, and Ryan and Sean are the leader for the low. I miss, and I'll say, I narrowly missed being the lowest score this past week by about six points. So I was definitely it's nervous. Beatable. <laughs> it's beatable. That's that's all we wanted to see. It's possible with bye weeks coming up. Uh, it, it should hopefully be beaten. Uh, but yeah, we we, oh, we, we were we were disappointed <laughs> that Crope uh, stole the high from us, but. You know, his team is definitely looking very unbeatable like we kind of thought it would be at the beginning. Yeah. But with that being said, like, are there any teams uh, from either of you that you're, you're in three, three weeks that you're surprised either that are performing better than expectations or worse than expectations? So for me, I actually would just say Division Three as a whole has kind of been a surprise to me, except for Dan's team. I had him high, but... 
Uh, Clark it up. I had lower in my rankings. I'm surprised to see that they're two and one and they have 390 points for. So it's not like, you know, they've just gotten lucky with some of the wins. And then uh, Mike Dexter is a god. The Mikes, I actually was higher on them. I thought they would have a pretty good team and they do have 369 points, but they're one and two. So that division has surprised me a bit. And, you know, you mentioned Canellis being 0 3, a bit of a surprise. Otherwise, the other divisions, I would say, have gone kind of how I thought uh, they would. So not as surprised with those. Yeah, sticking on Division 3, so it's interesting how Team Rosinski, uh coming into the year, it was guys like – it was the like the running back room of Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, who kind of had everybody – saying or projecting that team i mean in addition to uh having some pretty strong receivers right it it was it was mostly the running backs um and then chubb went down jonathan taylor hasn't played a snap eckler has been out the last two weeks derrick henry's kind of been trash and it's and it's uh tua and mostert who are coming in and kind of propelling that team to their 3 and 0 start. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that team like we kind of said earlier, Mostert has a bit of an injury history. Henry is not trending in the best direction and we'll see what happens with Jonathan Taylor and obviously Chubb's loss for the season. So um it's strong start and it's still a very strong team. It, you know, when you have Tua and Goff as your quarterbacks in a two-team league, it seems like both of those guys, if healthy, are going to put up great numbers all year. He's in a good position, or they're in a good position, but um, I, I would probably give the nod right now in terms of strongest team to Crope across the board. I, I've liked what I've seen across all the positions from his team, and, and one of the things that we mentioned about Crope's team in the uh, preseason was depth guys that he had on his bench who he could throw in there. Like Ryan and I were talking before we hit record about how, you know, like depth is a real challenge in this league because we're starting so many guys because it's 12 teams because it's dynasty format. And if you look at Crope's bench, right, he's still got a ton of guys that he could spot start in there for points. Um, Komet, Higby, Sky Moore, Calvin Austin, Elijah Moore, Van Jefferson, Curtis Samuel. We talked about earlier, Jarek McKinnon scored last week. Roshan Johnson's been actually the better running back in Chicago. So, and these are all guys that are not in his starting lineup right now. So I think that the depth uh, might end up being the difference for Krope's team. However, he also has Justin Fields and uh, no backup quarterback on the bench. So if Fields ends up getting benched or, you know, strapped to a rocket and sent to the moon, then... (laughs) We'll see what happens. He's going to have to leverage that depth in his uh, super flex spot. And then maybe that will be what enables some of the other guys in division one two to catch up to him. So as far as our division, you know, I think it's still anyone's game. I'm not ready to rule out team Wilk, although losing Mike Williams was tough. Yeah, that's um, going to hurt. It's like I said, it's the annual Mike Williams injury. It sucks this year that it's season ending. He was looking great. But again, you know, Mike Williams was looking great before he got injured. You could probably say that about like five years of his career. Um, And, you know, with Hertz and Josh Allen at quarterbacks, those two guys alone, I think, could uh, 
carry you guys to contention. So I, I think that we've, uh, I think that it's still anyone's game and it's been happy to be on the board with the win and uh, hope to keep it going this week against a very beat up team Rapisati. That just beat me. I don't think there's more team that's beat up than my team right now. Uh, God, I am like, I am searching deep. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm probably going to start like four tight ends one week. Um, but you do what you got to do, right? Survive and advance. Um, but uh, with that, I guess looking ahead before we close things out to week four, um, are there any specific games that are, or, or, or storylines or, or trends that you guys are keeping an eye on looking ahead at the, the next week's games? I mean, I think the highlight game has got to be the Bills Dolphins. Um, two solid offenses. Can't wait to see. Not only who wins that, but how high scoring that game is. I feel like uh, it could get out of hand, but you know the Bills do have a decent defense, so I don't expect seventy points from the Dolphins. But it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it going. I think the over under right now is at fifty four, so that is juicy. Yeah. Can't wait to have some players in there. You fire up everyone. Yeah, uh, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, the the Bears Broncos. You know, Pooper Bowl. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even totally sure that that's not going to be a, a supremely entertaining game, right? Like, I mean, they have everything to play for, both of those squads, right? Like, they're going to be both be like all out trying to get that win. They know that what's at stake, and uh, they both have below average defenses. So that might that might be a, a really entertaining game. Um, and uh, I'll mention Thursday. I actually I'm pretty excited. We have a a a strong Thursday night game um, with the Lions and the Packers. Hopefully it it lives up. Uh, it'll be exciting to see. And uh, I I think the Lions will get a win in Lambeau. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. This is a great Thursday night game and. Especially if Watson and, and Jones are back too, it, it'll be. I think there'll be a lot of potential options to to start in there. Um, other games for me, um, I mean, the the Ravens. Have, we we didn't talk a ton about the Ravens, but they just haven't looked that great. Um, even though they're sitting at two and one, so kind of seeing if they can get that offense clicking a little bit better. But I, this week is a tough one for because they're playing the Browns, and these games always are like super low scoring and the Browns defense looks legit. Um, so kind of seeing how those two teams clash, I think the over-unders are like 40 or so points on that in that game. Um, the Jags for me, because I'm very invested in Trevor Lawrence, so I just want to see if they can start getting things going around. I think Trevor Lawrence is above me, uh, mid-level uh, quarterback there, but we definitely need to start seeing it. Um I'm also kind of excited for the Giants to not play an elite defense uh, on Monday night. So see what this this team can actually do when uh, Daniel Jones isn't running for his life uh, for the entire game. Um, and also, just another call out for uh, another battle of 0-3 teams, the Vikings and the Panthers. Um, the Vikings sitting at 0-3, I'm sure, is a shock to that organization, and I think Justin Jefferson might get 300 yards uh, to, to make up for it. So uh, I don't think that'll be a fun game to watch from. It'll go wire to wire, but I think it'll be a fun game to watch just for stats. Um, but, yeah, so those are some of the things I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, and uh, just noticing now, actually, as I'm looking at my notes, that uh, 
Jacksonville Atlanta is uh, our first overseas game of the season. So just keep that in mind. Oh, Sunday morning, that. 930, 930 a.m. Atlanta the, at Jacksonville. The Jags are always the, <laughs> overseas. It's play, unbelievable. play the next two games, actually. The next two weeks in <laughs> London. be great for Trevor. This week, this week against Atlanta, next week against Buffalo. So. We'll I got. I got to look up some stats on how he does uh, overseas. Maybe it'll. Maybe it's better. It's the thing that turns the tide. They're by far the most popular team in in England. So maybe just maybe they're, they're the franchise they want to move over there. I mean, yeah. no one likes Jacksonville. No, who? Yeah. Um, I don't know who anyone who lives there. Um, <laughs> the right but path. anyway, but that uh, that is our, our show. So uh, we want to thank you again, everyone, for listening. Uh, Good luck in your week four. Uh, and honestly, if you're on three, I am in a redraft. Don't give up. It's a long season. You can turn it around. Uh, hopefully, what we say or advice we provide helps you. But thank you for listening. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the NSFW Dynasty Podcast. Tune in next time. 